1: He doesn't like you saying that.
0: Jesus Christ, Nadine.
1: <laughs> I thought the other thing you might do, and this yeah. might have been more work than it was worth, is get like a scrambler for your voice. I really
0: wanted to. Yeah. I did really want to do that. But, um, no. <laughs> <And> that <laughs> no, that didn't no. happen. That's My a energy lot. levels That's are just been, like yeah. kind of all over the place, so no.
1: But Daylight Savings was just yesterday, so. Yeah,
0: the worst.
1: <laughs> yeah. You lose the hour, but then it is daylight for a lot longer.
0: But you lose the hour of sleep. It really throws everything off. And I am, I think between the two of you, I need sleep more. Yes, probably. Yes.
1: That tends to be the case with most people in my life. I can function on very little sleep, actually.
0: I can function. If it's six hours, I'm okay. I can function. I really love the eight hour sleep. Yeah. I cherish it. I adore it. I hold it dear to my heart and I... This threw me for a loop.
1: For me, five hours is the threshold. Like, I need five hours Mm -hmm. to be perfectly functional. I've done it with less, especially with kids, like it happens. But five hours is like my my golden
0: time. Did your kids have a hard time with it? Sleeping? Yeah.
1: My daughter sleeps very well when she sleeps. Mm -hmm. It's like getting her down, though, has always been a bit of an issue. Now she's just older and she likes to talk and she likes to read books and like all of that. But I remember... I specifically remember this one time she was really young and my wife was working on the weekend and I had to go to a baby shower and I woke up at like nine o'clock and then my daughter was still sleeping. And so I got up and I brushed my teeth and I had breakfast and I did some like laundry and she slept till like 10, 1030. Wow. And she was a toddler and it was a and she She like, <laughs> slept through the night and I was just like, what kind of magic is this? And she's always been really good. Like she sleeps till like eight o'clock when she was a baby my son wakes up sometimes six sometimes seven he's not Mm -hmm. as good but he's also not i know parents whose kids wake up at like five yeah so he's my kids aren't that and i've always been eternally grateful for my babies for not doing that
0: (laughs) i just meant more of like adjusting to losing the hour like what is that like because you don't realize you don't understand what's happening
1: do you? Yeah. No, you don't. And I think you just, they just wake up later. later? And then they kind of just like, oh, okay. they just move on with it. They have that luxury. They're yeah. Bo- they're like we've done, <laughs> we took my daughter to Bali once. Yeah. When she was eight months. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we got to Bali, her first night, I don't know, I like forced her to like into sleep and I like fed her and I was like on it all night. And then the next day she was sleeping, like her regular schedule. But then when we got back, it was an issue.
0: That was, yeah. The the, 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 but
1: the, I find when you travel like that far internationally, it's, when it's you always, get back. yeah, it's that's always harder when you fun. get back. Yeah. yeah. Especially like when you go to India or whatever, it's always harder when you get back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. that we've talked for like five minutes and I haven't asked you.
0: Oh.
1: How's it going?
0: <laughs> well, I am alive.
1: Period. Okay. Period.
0: <laughs> alive and well. Days.
1: It's one of those days where you're just living and that's enough.
0: There's no breathing happening. (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm living and breathing. (laughs) I'll just say it. It's daytime, so the it just it feels good to be. There is a little bit more energy. Yeah. There's sun outside. I have the blinds down so I don't see the sun. But uh, it's not nighttime. I'm not in my pajamas. I haven't washed my face yet.
1: We're going to record and then go have dinner and have the rest of our evening.
0: I know. It's so exciting. so crazy. Something new for us. Although, remember when we were first recording?
1: We used to do it around this In the
0: daytime. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And it worked. I do like our nighttime recordings because I find, like, we record on Mondays typically and it's like a nice end to a Monday. Yeah. Because Mondays are so Monday. So Monday. And it gives me something to look forward to on Monday nights is our little conversations and, you know, thoughts.
0: The recording.
1: (laughs) Speaking of thoughts, Mita has watched some movies and last week I monopolized all the small talk and so Mita would like the floor. So here you go.
0: How did we, I don't even remember what we talked about last week. How crazy is that?
1: Oh, we talked about the Batman. The Batman Actually, I just finished editing Heavyweights, and we talked about the Bat. We talked about Batman. Batman more than Heavyweights. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'll, there was like 20 minutes of just a real earnest conversation about Batman and the franchise.
0: I mean, it makes sense, though, to talk more about Batman than Heavyweights.
1: Also, I just wanted There's to just say, before there. you start talking, I was on okay. Instagram, and I saw someone tweet, you know, when people like they Instagram people's tweets, and someone called Daylight Savings dangerous like in a real tweet about how it was archaic and dangerous and i'm just like calm down calm down. why <laughs> it's not that terrible everyone needs to like just move on with it
0: i saw one though and i kind of agree with it where they were like why do we adjust the clocks at 2 a.m on a sunday why don't we adjust it at 4 p.m on a monday
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's totally I'm true like, yeah I why like don't
0: that? we do that but um daylight savings aside. I did watch some things. I've watched them throughout the last couple of weeks. So I have watched the TV series, The Dropout. And I've watched... One with Amanda Seyfried. Yes, with Amanda Seyfried. It's about Elizabeth Holmes, who is the creator of Theranos. If you're not aware of what that is, you really should look it up because it's a fascinating story.
1: You actually get a lot of it from the trailer itself.
0: You do, and this one particularly, so The Dropout is based off of a podcast that was released a couple years ago called Mm -hmm. The Dropout, and it was released by ABC News, and so the series does really, like, follow, I've been re-listening to the podcast the last couple days, and it does really follow, like, um, information that was given there, because it was only six episodes originally, and then the podcast followed along her trial within this, like, last year, but I haven't listened to any of that yet. But the TV show, I started off a little hesitant, and I'm actually glad we're talking about it this week, because the fourth episode dropped last week, and it's really up the ante for me. I'm like, okay, now I'm into it. I'm getting it now. Amanda Seyfried is doing an incredible job as Elizabeth Holmes, and like, if you know anything about Elizabeth Holmes, you know that her voice has always been in question of like, whether it's her authentic authentic voice that she uses or a natural voice. And Amanda Seyfried is, like, actually nailing it. So I'm very impressed by it. And I highly recommend it. If you're in Canada, you can watch it on Disney+. And it's just a very interesting story. And I think it'll be really interesting because there's also supposed to be a movie about Elizabeth Holmes coming Mm -hmm. out called Bad Blood, which is based off the book Bad Blood that was – Made it about Elizabeth Holmes,
1: Starring um, Jennifer Lawrence.
0: Starring Jennifer Lawrence. And I'm curious about this one because it will be written by Adam McKay. And Adam oh. McKay is like a hit or miss when it comes to these yeah. things. Yeah, he is. Like, I don't want it to be too much of a don't look up situation.
1: He's never written anything earnestly serious. Everything has been comedic to satirical. With, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it could go either way.
0: Like, I don't love Vice.
1: I don't love Vice. And I don't I... like Vice, to be quite honest.
0: <laughs> yeah. Neither do I. <laughs> so I'm worried it might go in that direction. Yeah.
1: I really do like the big short.
0: Yes. I think that's... when I think that, that it was just so fresh at that time. Yeah. Like, we had not really seen anything like that. But he tries to do the same thing with Vice. And I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Does he do the same thing with Vice? He tries.
1: I found Vice so bloated. That's a really good word for it. So was Dick Cheney. But
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is a good word for it. Yeah. But, anyways, we'll see between Bad Blood and The Dropout, which was very entertaining. I also watched on um, Disney Plus in Canada the movie Fresh. Have you watched it? Oh,
1: yes. I haven't watched it yet. You
0: haven't watched it yet? I told you to watch it. Maybe this week. You listen to me ever.
1: I know. Okay.
0: Um, Which I. Hadn't watched any trailers for...
1: The Yellow Jackets on your recommendation. Continue. Okay, fine. <laughs>
0: um, I have... And it was good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I haven't... I did not watch any trailers for Fresh. I didn't know what it was. I okay. just knew it was a Sebastian Stan movie. Have you watched a trailer for it?
1: I have not. Okay, don't. But I have heard a lot of things in the movie sphere about Fresh.
0: Okay. Because I actually was, like, very surprised with what I was watching. I think... I don't want to give anything away if you're curious about it. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Okay. That doesn't mean it's like really great, but it was something different from what I thought this movie was going to be. Okay. And it's a very interesting take on two genres that we know and have seen of before. And I'm not going to tell you what genres they are. (laughs) So there you go. you have to watch it. Yeah, I, I thought you had seen it so that I was going to talk about it a little bit more with you, but you didn't watch it. But... No, no, no. And then the last thing I watched this past weekend, again on Disney+, Plus, yes. was the new Pixar movie, Turning Red.
1: Which I've only heard good things about.
0: Oh my gosh, Nadim. I loved it. So I want to watch it again tonight because it was just yeah. so much fun. And I would
1: actually want to watch that this week, but I will wait to watch it with my daughter.
0: I mean, it might be a little mature for her oh really it's not uh, it's not aimed towards younger children i feel like it's more aimed towards like 10 Um, to 13
1: yeah oh my god the heavyweight crowd
0: the heavyweight crowd (laughs) it does a better (laughs) job than heavyweights i will give it that and it is it's a it's about a young girl in that age group i think she's supposed to be 12 years old and it's set in toronto in the year 2002 so like it's just, it is my childhood. Yeah, <laughs> essentially. Pretty much, yeah, I didn't grow up in Toronto. I grew up in Ottawa, but I was a Canadian kid in that time. And yeah. like, it's just, it's a, a throwback, but it's also you so much fun. Kid.
1: First of all, you weren't a kid. You were 20.
0: 2002.
1: Oh, wow. 20 years ago, not 10 years ago. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was 11 in
1: 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my God, that is your youth.
0: Yeah, it is my youth. It's
1: your youth, yeah.
0: That's why it's super exciting and fun to watch. And I got a lot of, like, Scott Pilgrim vibes from it a little bit, too. But in the best way. And, like, makes more sense in a cartoon or in an animation Uh, than it does maybe in, in, like, in the obnoxious way of scott pilgrim although i i enjoy scott i
1: know pilgrim. you love scott pilgrim so
0: um but no yeah. it was it's a throwback for sure it's 20 years not 10 yeah. and 20. it's a it also tells the story of like what it is to be a child of immigrant parents or parents who just have like very high expectations of their children yeah. and i think that that's a perspective that you kind of see in Encanto, but I think this like nails it a lot better. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I'm excited because again, I've only heard good things.
0: I loved it. I think it's. I, I'm kind of disappointed it's coming out now because I feel like come Oscar time next year, people maybe are forgotten about. maybe forgotten about it. But have,
1: have we read anything about why it didn't get a theatrical release?
0: I don't know why, but I do know that they were pissed about it because yeah. like it was supposed to have one, and then they decided to just keep it on Disney Plus.
1: That's disappointing. I'm yeah. sure there's some politics about, like, they probably didn't think it would make that much money because it's ethnocentric and all of that.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Well, is, I, and Canto got released in theaters, right? Yes.
1: I feel like the Latino world is different. Yeah. Because in the States, where the largest box office is, mm. there is a large Latino community who can probably keep something afloat.
0: Like because the main character in it, she's an Asian girl. Yeah. And like, look at Crazy Rich Asians. Do they, yeah. do they forget? Crazy
1: Rich Asians is a, it's like a case study.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, make the movies that people want to watch.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyways, highly recommend. 10 out of 10. <laughs> loved it. 10
1: out of 10?
0: You know, for pick, uh, this is probably, I think this is Pixar's best.
1: 10 out of 10?
0: This is Pixar's best. I loved it.
1: Okay, Mitha. That, I, is, that is big talk.
0: There's a connection to it. I think you'll feel it too when you watch it. Even okay. though you weren't a little girl in the 2002s, I think you will. In terms of like the culture that's there, you're going to feel the connection. I think you will. I think you'll yeah. enjoy it. Actually, you're more of a cynic, so you'll probably give it like seven, but it is quite good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do find when Pixar is earnest, though, it, it gets to me. Like, I feel like Pixar is the one studio that is allowed to be emotional and like earnestly emotional and Mm -hmm. i'd still like i like that seven minute montage and up always always makes me little little heart little heartwarming
0: no this is it was just so much fun and i'm really glad i watched it i'm probably gonna watch it a ton ton more times i do think your daughter is a little bit young to like get it but watch it with her she might like it it takes
1: her a while to get into something like, it really does take her a while to appreciate a world. So if it doesn't have big music or, like, a relatable story, like, right away, it's hard.
0: It'll be hard for her because it's not a musical.
1: Oh, no. I'm not watching it with her then. It's not yeah. going to happen.
0: Watch it on your own. Actually watch it with your wife because, like, she yeah, was I a teen both. in that time, so she might enjoy it, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. An ethnic teen in that time.
0: Was she a teen in that time? I don't know. Yeah, we were, like, 16, I always 17. forget Okay. <laughs> yeah. I forget your ages sometimes
1: old yeah (laughs) anyway we're here to talk about you didn't have anything no not really
0: oh wow that's so sad i didn't watch
1: anything this week i yeah
0: so let's talk about the movie you chose for me let's talk about
1: the movie i chose because i picked the francis ford coppola thriller Mm. the conversation yes starring one gene hackman
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mita, do you want to give us a quick imdb discro?
0: i do IMD, IMDB. IMDB. Descri- IMDb. 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 <laughs> IMDB. describes this film as: a paranoid, secretive surveillance expert has a crisis of conscience when he suspects that the couple he is spying on will be murdered. Dun dun dun.
1: So I will say that oftentimes IMDB has terrible descriptions, and this is not one of them. This
0: those. is very succinct and to yep. the point. and And exciting exciting because you don't know what's happening uh and like yeah that is the movie in itself that is the movie
1: yeah good job without giving without giving anything away it totally is succinct so you know kudos to imdb for their class work on this one film
0: it took 90, this yeah. is what, our 98, 97th episode, 98? To get it right. Yeah. 97
1: or 98? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. But yeah, finally you got it right. Well, congratulations.
0: Hooray. pat on the back. <laughs> the theme Yeah. Yes. Tell me and our listeners, why did you choose The Conversation?
1: Okay. So I saw The Conversation recently, like a few years ago. This isn't something I watched when I was like 20. and So I watched it in my 30s.
0: Wow. and.
1: Probably even like right before the pandemic or something like that. So it was pretty fresh. Okay. And I remember being surprised that I hadn't seen it earlier and that there isn't much more conversation about it Mm -hmm. because I quite like the conversation. (laughs) I think... (laughs) You like
0: the conversation about the conversation? I
1: like the conversation about (laughs) the conversation, but I also like the film titled The Conversation.
0: Whoa.
1: I find... Thrillers are really hard to do, like really, really hard to do. Mysteries and thrillers can be super difficult. And this one really, I find, nails a lot of the things that make thrillers and mysteries good. It nails them. I'm surprised because I, this is my hot take, and we will talk about this probably later. I think this is Francis Ford Coppola's best film. And I don't think we talk about it enough because it's shadowed by the behemoth that is The Godfather. Mm. And I know loves a good mystery, so this was one of the films that I made on the list. But then what happened was, as we were narrowing down our lists, I was a little bit more fluid with mine. Like, I picked about 30 movies, and then, like, as the weeks went on, I kind of, like, slowly picked them. And there were some definites and some maybes. And so this one was in the maybe pile, because I really did like it and I wanted you to see it, but I had other movies. So there was some... I've already picked my last movie, and it's a little bit more lighthearted. So I wanted to pick something a little bit more serious. And I'll tell you, actually, there were some movies. I'll tell you some of the movies that didn't make the cut. That
0: didn't make the list? Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was going to put Vera Drake on there. by I don't want to watch that. No, why not? (laughs) I'm not in the mood. That's not relevant. (laughs) So there was supposed to be Vera Drake. Uh And there's supposed to be this Romanian movie, four months, three weeks, and two days.
0: Oh, you've talked about this.
1: Both of them are about abortion. (laughs) And super, super heavy film. Yeah. I think four months, three weeks and two days is like really quite serious and really quite heavy. I think Vera Drake is a exceptionally made film. Mm -hmm. And I think the folklore about Vera Drake is actually the movie is very good, but there's some things about how it was directed that are actually, I think you'd actually really enjoy them. Oh, and I think you should see it. Another movie that was on the list was Dancer in the Dark. Okay. With real heavy hitters. Real heavy hitters. <laughs> yes. And so I did try to narrow it down. And then I was like, you know what? I feel like this, the conversation is serious, but entertaining. Yes. And I feel like it, it towed the right line. I feel lot like the conversation was going to be good about the conversation. And at the end of the day, I thought you would enjoy it. That was the reason I picked it. So now I want to know, what did you think?
0: Okay. I need... I need some help with something for the, my mm. first thing, because this has been bugging me since I watched this yesterday. Okay. Where have I heard the theme for this movie before? There's another movie that this theme is like heavily featured in, and I can't pinpoint. And I think I it's Spotlight, know. but I can't pinpoint it. Oh,
1: similar. Yeah. It. It's like something, right? Like the piano theme. Yeah. Yeah. It, I could think, say maybe Spotlight, but Spotlight It's the exact is, same theme, though. It's not as eerie.
0: No, but I think they use the music.
1: Maybe. But there's no connection to spotlight in the conversation.
0: No, but I I get I would hear it. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. I was like I've heard this somewhere recently. I think it's
1: Spotlight. Maybe Spotlight. Okay. Go back and look at I thought you would
0: know. No. I tried looking into it. I looked at Spotlight's like soundtrack and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. So, I'll I guess I'll well, maybe one day I will rewatch Spotlight
1: mm-hmm. when you can, you know, Spotlight's not a fun movie to watch.
0: I really enjoyed Spotlight. I, no,
1: no, no. I love Spotlight, <laughs> yeah. but it's not a fun movie to
0: watch. It's not like let's put on Spotlight. Let's put on yeah.
1: Spotlight and watch this movie about. Child it's a good movie
0: to have in the background when you're cooking or something.
1: Yeah,
0: which could be said about the conversation mm-hmm. as well. I was very skeptical about watching this, especially about our latest conversations regarding Francis Ford Coppola, yep. because. When I think about the films he's made, the only thing that stands out to me is The Godfather, and I think that's yeah. just always going to be how it is. And I didn't know if that's like what I was in the mood for. I'm kind of um, tired of just seeing like tons of men on the screen at all yeah. times, especially after There Will Be Blood, because mm-hmm. I was like all and heavyweights. Heavyweights, heavyweights is all boys, is all right? Boys too, yeah. So I was like tired of the boys, you know. So I was a little concerned. I was like, okay, is this going to be like another all male cast movie? Um, and is going to like kind of drag me down. There's no toxicity in this movie. Yeah. So I will preface with that. I really did enjoy it though. It's, you're right about it being a thriller, but it's not, it's not like the worst versions of thrillers that we get today. Yeah. And I think this is sort of like the original version of what all those movies that came later attempt to do. And a lot of it reminded me of what I love about Michael Clayton. And, like, you and I have talked a lot about how much I love Michael Clayton. Mm -hmm. But this does it so much better. It's so, yeah. It's a lot more intriguing. I think there's a lot more thought in, like, the story trying to be told and the angles that you're seeing things. Mm -hmm. My And I did really enjoy watching it. My one big takeaway, though... And I think this is just because of the time that we're in, mm-hmm. and because I do watch so many movies like this, and I love a mystery, and I mm-hmm. listen to, like, all these murder podcasts. I figured it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not <laughs> all together.
0: It was not it's surprised.
1: Not, it's not surprising. It is, I, I've said this multiple times on this podcast. Yeah. It's not unpredictable. Mm-hmm. It's predictable, but it, there still is an element of surprise. And I think that's why it works. It's not, you're not bored by the reveal, especially largely because of how they film it, I find.
0: That's fair, yes. That because sequence it, when he walks into the hotel burn room. A reveal. Yeah, it's a yeah. slow
1: burn. And I feel like it warrants, like, it, it's earned, especially that sequence when he walks into the hotel room and it's pristine and nothing is there. And you're like, you're kind of wondering, oh, well, they must have cleaned it up, but like, how well? And then the shot of the toilet. Yeah. It's really good. It really is earned.
0: I think you're going to have to explain to our listeners what we're talking about. Yeah. Spoiler okay. alert. <laughs> okay. Spoiler
1: alert. I do recommend you watch this because it is quite entertaining. Yes. But the conversation is essentially about a man who works as a private investigator and he does surveillance, private surveillance. Mm-hmm. And he's hired to spy on this couple, this man and this woman in a park. And he records a conversation that they have and essentially interprets it. And he starts to believe that... Whoever employs him is going to murder these two people because they're mm-hmm. having an affair. And he is insanely paranoid as a person, largely because he works in surveillance. And so he starts to feel like he's being followed and things are happening and all of that. And then in the end, spoiler alert, what happens is the this couple actually conspires to kill this man.
0: Yeah,
1: And it's it's a nice little twist. It feels very earned and it's largely because the woman that who is a part of it she gains control of the company and all of that and she's she is having an affair with this other man and there's Harrison Ford is somehow involved and so like there is <gasps> there's things about that that feel very so it doesn't feel altogether surprising like you kind of are like well, there's got to be a twist here it's not going to be straightforward yeah. this is probably it but what i'm saying and how i feel every time i watch it is that i do feel like oh this is still nice it doesn't feel like you know when you've watched movies and you like find the murder or like when we watched Scream Five, let's say, yeah. that ending felt very like well, of course, it didn't feel like a surprise. It didn't feel rewarding. This still felt rewarding. I found, even though I kind of expected what was going to happen, mm-hmm. I still had a sense of like, okay.
0: <laughs> I think it's more about the journey than, than the actual result. Sure. Yeah, I liked I. I was going to say, I like seeing him like spiral into his own paranoia. Not that I like seeing someone do that. But I think that that is a really interesting way to tell this story. And it does sort of lead you, it's sort of those early tellings of an um, unreliable narrator in a way. Uh But without the kind of cheese that has come with it since. And it is really interesting to see this person who their whole profession is spying on people to be listening Mm -hmm. in on conversations, to be recording things and to try to clear up the miscommunications in those recordings, Mm -hmm. kind of be taken down by their paranoia of being recorded themselves and someone looking into them. And it kind of leads you with this morality question of like, what am I doing is what I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting, Aspect to see it, especially in 1974. Mm-hmm. That's when this came out, right? 74. Yeah, same yeah. year as the Godfather. Same year as Godfather Part Two. Yes. yes, yes,
1: Part Two.
0: Part Two, but also very close around the time of um, the Watergate, Watergate scandal, which I. When I was watching this, I was like, imagine seeing this in the theaters in 1974. You know all this information about the president of your country. Like, if you're watching this in the U.S., you know all this information about Nixon and how he records conversations. Mm -hmm. And, like, for me, if I was watching in that time, I kind of would sympathize with him a little bit more. Because you're understanding where this, like, paranoia is coming from. Yeah. Yeah. You think that everybody else is doing this to you, so you're going to do it to them. Mm -hmm. And... Just like I, oh, I would love to be there in that time and actually mm-hmm. be able to watch it, because I think I think he resigned after this movie had come out. Sure. I, I wonder. I wonder that if, if that the
1: movie had a played in
0: it. Yeah. Maybe. What if he saw it? Maybe. I mean,
1: all these presidents do watch movies. They get private viewings <laughs> of whatever they want to see. So there's, this, and this was by Francis Ford Coppola, the man who had directed the conversation. So it wasn't unknown. I mm-hmm. do think. It has become a little unknown because The Godfather is The Godfather. That's true. And it takes over his filmography.
0: Name but another movie he's directed outside of The Godfather.
1: Apocalypse Now. Okay. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Jack.
0: Oh, Jack. <laughs> I <laughs> loved Williams. Jack yeah. as a kid.
1: <laughs> I loved it as a kid too, yeah. Yeah. So he has he does have a filmography, a decent yeah. filmography. But again, when you make The Godfather, you will be known for The That's food. who you are. That's what it is. To your point. Mm-hmm. I found that, especially on this viewing, maybe because I wasn't watching it to watch the movie. Again, I'm watching it to review it. Mm -hmm. What I really liked is how I didn't really think this was an unreliable narrator, Mm -hmm. especially because you're watching the information unfold in front of him. And I think what you're speaking to is this a problem with filmmaking these days is that the audience is just smarter than people. Yeah. Like if you were in his situation doing what he did, you would assume the same things. Yeah. But you know you're watching a movie, so something else has to be afoot.
0: Mm.
1: And that kind of takes away from it. But what this movie does really well is that you're on the journey with him. Yeah. You're on the journey of discovering what this conversation is. There's like a specific sequence where he's in his like warehouse trying to dissect what they say and trying to like lower the volume on some things and get there. And then when he when they say the line, which is like, if he had the chance, he'd kill us. Yeah. When he finally gets there, it's the first time you're hearing it and him hearing it. And mm-hmm. that feels nice. And like that, that reveal of like information that you're getting at the same time that he's getting. It's something that Chinatown does really well. And that, which also came out that same year. So maybe something was going around in the world at the time. But I, I really enjoy that. And then there was a time where I felt the middle was actually really bloated. But mm-hmm. when I watched it this time, I'm like, no, I think that like context to his character and everything that kind of transpires is kind of super fascinating. And it makes the end then, the, ex- the very, very end, all the more plausible. When he gets that call saying like, don't go to the police, you know, we're watching you. And he completely yeah. destroys his apartment. His yeah. yeah, you really feel that. And again, mm-hmm. it feels like his his descent into his own paranoia is definitely a lot more palpable. And I find oftentimes when films do that that kind of stuff, it's not. You're kinda like, mm, I don't think he'd go crazy for this.
0: Do you think he knows it's it's in the saxophone? Maybe. It's in the saxophone, by the way. It
1: has to be in the saxophone. It's yeah. the only thing they don't thing show you. He, yeah. yeah. Him him doing. And I think to some degree he doesn't want it to be in the saxophone.
0: Of course he doesn't. He loves jazz and he wants yeah. to play it. His it's his music. one thing.
1: It's his one yeah. thing.
0: Did you know that the original runtime for this was supposed to be like almost four hours? Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's also very Francis Ford Coppola. Because one of my gripes with this is I think it's a little long.
0: It's a little long. There could be some editing there. I
1: think if it was an hour 40, it's an hour 53. I think at an hour and a half, hour 40, it would just be more tight a thriller. But I will say that some of the length and some of the lethargy of this is actually quite charming.
0: And plays into like this is his day to day life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, for instance, Gene Hackman is very unremarkable as a man, good actor, but he's not like the most charming or magnetic personality. So no. everything just feels a little bit more slow. But it just gives I think off that's,
0: like hothead personality. Yeah, in a he little, does. Yeah.
1: But I think all of that works in favor of the film because Harry is meant to be very like float into the background. He's not meant to be magnetic as a person. So those same things that work in the story kind of work against the film, I find. But again, I accept it because, like you're saying, the journey is quite worth it.
0: I think what could be edited out, though, and like, I know this is surprising coming for me, is the actual women in this movie. <laughs> like, the one... <laughs> the one that are interested in him. Because I, mean, I don't quite grasp that. I don't understand what this intrigue with him is. Why are you, you know, spending the evening with him and, like, wanting to know more? I well, don't get it. Well, the first one's a prostitute. Well, the f- yeah. And but, the like... second
1: one's doing it to steal the tapes.
0: Oh, <laughs> oops never mind bye <laughs> I guess that's fair but what does that say about the ladies
1: so this is one thing I noticed in this is that yeah this it is predominantly a male cast blah yeah. blah blah all of those things and the other thing I noticed is that that's really Francis Ford Coppola's kind of hot spot yeah his movies about men I think when I when we retros- retrospectively talked about The Godfather when we were reviewing Gangs of Wasipur, mm-hmm. I think I was more incredulous of the fact that like women are really, they're side pieces and they're not as interesting and all of that. In this film, I didn't really mind it. And in this film, I almost embraced it in a way that was, why can't it not be? If that's his sweet spot and that's what he does well, why not? I
0: think... In 1974, that's fine. If he was making movies today and, like, still has this, like, shtick, and maybe it's because I haven't seen anything of interest lately with him, but, like, when I think about somebody else who also does good movies about men, it's Martin Scorsese, and, like, he... The most recent ones, like, I'm sorry, like, Wolf of Wall Street is... is bad. It's bad taste in your mouth. You should not be watching that movie to get an idea of, like, what... To get a perspective of the male perspective, so to speak. But I haven't seen The Irishman, but I imagine, like, it's kind of heavy in that way as well. Is it?
1: It is. Yeah. But, again, why are they not allowed to?
0: It's Especially not Especially, like if we're allowed. talking about,
1: like, this day and age, there's always this conversation about, like, diversity and inclusion and all of that. But if you know only how to tell stories that are meant for men for men, why... Why can it not be that? Are you again?
0: telling new stories though? Are you telling something different? Are you just repeating it? Like how much of a difference is there between something like The Irishman and something like Good Fellas? Ford hasn't made anything in the last like I don't no, know. He hasn't
1: done anything in Anything. A while. He's just producing and, Sophia's movies.
0: Exactly. Which are very much about women, which mm-hmm. I respect. And she has a very she does a good job at presenting the female perspective. Um, and I'm glad that he champions her in that because, like, the lesser man would do that. He'd be like, on, go on your own, Sophia.
1: I mean, like, he is, she is his daughter.
0: You don't know. What if he's, like, a terrible dad?
1: <laughs> what mean, if he was? Sure. He, he clearly isn't, though.
0: Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Good job. Good, yeah. good job being a dad. We don't know what he's saying behind the scenes. We don't know.
1: Well, I mean, I think the issue <laughs> would more be less that she's a woman producing movies about women if she was making bad movies. Movies,
0: yeah. I, I, think I think that movies. would
1: actually be more of a thing. She's making good movies, point blank. It doesn't yeah. matter that they're about women. That's fair,
0: yes. But you know, Blake, I, it's not that they we sh- no one should be allowed to make more movies about men, but it's like, what are you telling us about these men? That's new, that's different. That's something that we haven't seen before. Where is the storytelling going? Because I think it just feels so stagnant. Do we have a
1: recent example?
0: Of like movies about men?
1: Yeah. And I mean recent, I even mean post The Irishman because this conversation has really picked up like, we're talking like now, we're in the thick of it.
0: Um, I'm trying to think of movies that I've watched recently. Even this like Oscar. Well, like, what I mean by something fresh, take something like The Power of the Dog, which Mm -hmm. yes, is written and directed by a woman, Mm -hmm. but it's, Two men that have very different points of view, and I haven't really seen them before. I haven't seen someone like, I'm forgetting Benedict Cumberbatch's character name in mm-hmm. the movie. But I've I've seen ideas of him, but not formed in this way, and not fully executed the way it is in that movie.
1: But then, because it's written by a woman, that is a woman's perspective of, of that. Yes. Which is fine. We've had men's perspective of women for decades, so... Gene
0: Campion, though, is one of those directors and writers that you've stated yourself. Like you can't it doesn't
1: Yeah, it's not it's, about her being a woman. Yeah. It has nothing to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what I want to know is a man directing movies about men.
0: Um can you list out movies that I've watched. Oh this my year? god. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's becoming
0: a little harder, right? Which is good. I think that's good. Is it? I think there should be more. I don't want to keep seeing the same thing over and over. I don't want
1: to see the same thing over and over. Like, yeah. I, I absolutely don't. I'm a big proponent of variety and freshness, mm-hmm. especially in film. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think I, I, if we're in the thick of this kind of, like, conversation, I think yeah. I'm maybe a little fatigued by it, personally. I'm
0: Of the conversation?
1: Yeah. Not okay. necessarily of... The art. If the art's good, the art's good, man. like yeah. The Lost Daughter is excellent, and it's a movie about women by a woman. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it should be. It, it should be an issue either yeah. way because it's an excellent film. But I'm kind of getting tired of the conversation of what was versus what is and what shouldn't be. It's
0: fair. The only thing that's coming to my mind right now, but I actually find it entertaining and do think it adds a different perspective on, like, certain things Mm -hmm. is The Gentleman, but I don't think you've seen it. No. No. I haven't. And it's a a gangster movie, Mm -hmm. so to speak. It's Guy Ritchie, but I Sorry, my mic, though. It's clearly a Guy Ritchie movie. And so I think the things that are kind of... Actually, there are a lot of different male characters in that movie, and I think Mm -hmm. they actually do represent um, very different perspectives. There you go. So I will give it up to Guy Ritchie for The Gentleman. (laughs) But it, but that's what I want to see. I don't yeah. want to keep, you know, like, uh, what was that? What's his name? Tyler Sheridan.
1: Isn't it Tyler Sheridan?
0: <laughs> no, what's the movie I'm thinking about that he wrote? That it's just like, it's just, it's just like white men.
1: <laughs> he wrote it?
0: Yeah. It was getting a lot of buzz. I think it's, is it Chris Pine who's in it?
1: Oh, Hell or High Water? Yeah. You didn't like Hell or High Water? No. I liked Hell or High Water.
0: Okay. Well, there
1: you go. But see <laughs> let, let, let's let's take a look at that example. That's a period piece about cowboys in the Midwest when there were predominantly white men.
0: But I just do I need that story? I got Butch and Sundance. Do I need to see Hell or High Water?
1: But then don't watch it. <laughs> Do you, I just I'm, feel like, like isn't that it right? Like I, I look, I don't we had this conversation yesterday where yeah. you were like, "Oh, you should go see Marry Me because you love j lo And you <laughs> like all of that. I was I'm not just going joking. to No, 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 but like I I get I get that you're joking, but like yeah. I'm over that phase. Mm-hmm. I'm over the the fluff romantic comedy phase. If you're going to make a romantic comedy, it better be good and it better be of quality. And I don't want to watch like the J.L.O.'s and the Catherine Higgins Huygens, Huygens Heigels of the world uh-huh. make bad romantic comedies mm-hmm. and like malign the, the, the genre. So well, neither do I. Do
0: <laughs> I just think we the industry in itself I think we have the same point. We're just like not communicating it correctly. I think <laughs> That the industry in itself likes to, is very repetitive and it's hard to find yeah. like new fresh ideas um, and have them displayed. And like, I, yeah, you know, it, it is the same thing. It is. That doesn't mean they're not entertaining. But what I mean to say is when you take somebody like a director of such high regard and you call them one of the greatest directors of all time and they just are really telling the same story with a little bit of a difference here and there, does that actually make them? the greatest director and what i was impressed by with this is that it doesn't feel like the godfather it doesn't feel no, like that really male doesn't. energy that i used to and i was very i and i'm with you i'm on the same page of like this should be what he's known for this is yeah. what people should be like oh francis ford Coppola, the director of the conversation not the godfather yeah. we're on the same page
1: i think the issue with the godfather <laughs> is also that the godfather is essentially fantasy Mm-hmm. right like there's a lot of like fantastical That's elements it. about it what
0: or and, is it
1: i mean it is like sure. if i <laughs> the monsters <laughs> exist we all know that they you know it is a thing but in the form the godfather is it's definitely a little bit more fantastical mm-hmm. and it's meant to be a little bit more like a fairy tale and like folklore whereas this is very grounded in a sense of reality like this feels very plausible it's yes spe- it, i mean it, it exists in the same time frame as watergate so we know it's it, it has it happened. is quite
0: possible yep
1: so that's why i think it's a just a little bit more palpable whereas the godfather relies a lot on folklore it relies a lot on folklore and it relies a little bit on our societal love of gangsters yeah it feeds that, into that That we
0: all want to be part of the mob yeah the
1: yeah. It, the glorification of it in yeah. general it's and nasty like, it's it is a little and it's, it's a little grossly aspirational and like flat-out growth because no one should want to be in the gang like sorry the mob
0: yeah and this doesn't paint the picture of like you should want to be like harry or you should want to be like one of them yeah no i i we're on the same page (laughs) we want the same things in the world
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think we want the same things in the world but i do think i i think we do have a difference of opinion about the conversation. Not this conversation, but the conversation about diversity. Diversity and, and, like,
0: yeah. seeing it. I just want new stories. And I...
1: Yeah, I'm right there I'm
0: not that. a writer, so, like, that kind of creativity doesn't come to me naturally. So right. I can't imagine what it's like to actually be somebody who can do those things and, like, kind of have an idea and maybe not be able to put it on the page or have an idea that isn't so referential of something else Mm -hmm. or have something that is so new and fresh. And then also, if you do have something that's new, how do you get that idea out there? Like, I I understand that. I just feel like the industry, and it's what you say with Marvel movies, it's just the same things over and over and over. And I think what we see from these people that are so renowned, like Quentin Tarantino movies are kind of like the same thing over and over and over.
1: He is old wine in a new bottle.
0: Yes, exactly, and so really I just is. feel like we give them so much credit, but they're not doing anything that I feel like deserves that credit.
1: I mean, I feel like with Quentin, once upon a time in Hollywood was mostly a departure for him.
0: He was so close. He was so, so close. close. And then he just <laughs> I just
1: came to his, you know, Quintoness.
0: Yep, I'm so mad. <laughs> and I think the
1: issue is is that Quentin, in my personal opinion, reached the height of Quintenness with Inglorious Bastards, and then. Mm-hmm. It all has felt very repetitive. Django Unchained felt very repetitive. Yeah. Eight felt eight felt very repetitive, but I will still watch them because they are entertaining films. But I have seen the Schlock before,
0: mm-hmm. and that's all. And I just uh, I'm tired of the Schlock.
1: I'm tired of the Schlock, yeah. but I think there are directors doing things, female directors and male directors, who are attempting to do things. I think for me the the conversation of like we need diversity and we need you know more women doing this and this and that but then like let's still all spend all our money on superhero movies, is like that sucks. it is it is a big paradox.
0: That sounds. The superhero. This is the the thing though. The superhero movies bring in the money so that mm-hmm. you can make other things.
1: Or does the superhero movies bring in money so you can make more superhero movies?
0: Well, they think, oh, if we make more superhero movies, we'll have more money, <laughs> and then maybe we can do, you know. It's 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 the chicken know if and the egg. Never
1: agree on this issue, me. It's the chicken
0: and the egg, and it's the. It's not the
1: chicken and the egg. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> absolutely not.
0: Where where does this? I'm trying to think, like in the timeline of movie history, when do we start getting these superhero X-Men. movies? The
1: original X-Men was really, it was around the same time the original Spider-Man came out. And that was where it really started. Because we've always had Batman and Batman, but Batman was it. Yeah. And so, like, it didn't feel repetitive. And I think because Batman, there was a constant changing of direction with it, Mm -hmm. that it never felt as, like, stagnant. But X-Men and Spider-Man and the sequels, and the remakes, and, like, that's really where it started.
0: Do you feel, though, that maybe, like, even something that's not necessarily superhero, but is under that, like, blockbuster kind of theme, like, something like The Matrix kind of lays the brickwork for it, of, like, here's a movie that has, like, all action, and, yes, it is arguably more artsy action, like, there's more art than... There is art and commerce there, and that kind of laid it
1: out yeah i was gonna say i feel like i i, I actually agree with what you're saying that like mm-hmm. the summer blockbuster is really where it kind of really stems from yeah i think the matrix is the worst example of it though because okay. the first one was so original no
0: yeah. it was
1: really original and it took it's an incredibly intelligent screenplay directed very well
0: mm-hmm.
1: but i get what you're saying it's kind of like the armageddon's and con airs and like yeah let's Those take a are very really s- what yeah drove it
0: it's really it's interesting Art versus commerce.
1: Yeah. And can you have art without commerce?
0: And we live in a capitalistic society. Mm. And so I'm sorry. You're going to see those superhero movies for quite some time. They're not going to
1: let go of them. I know. They're not. And why would you? If I was Marvel, it'd be like, F your opinion. I'm still going to make them.
0: But then you have something like Scott Pilgrim, which has this like notion made on a smaller budget. And like, in my opinion, way more entertaining than the Marvel movies.
1: Really? yeah i love some of the marvel movies
0: i do i i love the the hope and the camaraderie that is of the avengers okay okay I, yeah i think that it leaves you with a good feeling at the end except for and, and that's infinity war that was not a good feeling but <laughs>
1: yeah that's the one where they all die
0: Spoiler alert if you oh, haven't on. seen <laughs> they, Yeah, they all like, so Thanos snaps his yeah, fingers. And everyone dies. And everyone, like, not everyone, half the population disappears. And then you're like, what? And then it was the end of the movie and you're like, wait, what? But then they and then back. we had Endgame. And then they all came back in Endgame, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's problematic for another reason. Me that you have sequel prequel ideas. <laughs>
0: Um, I kind of want to know how Harry got into surveillance. Like, yeah. what's that story? Yeah, and like, how do you? Because okay, I've always fancied myself as somebody who could potentially become a private investigator. Yeah, and I think I would actually be really good at it. I don't yeah. think people would think that I'm a private investigator, so they would just like tell me everything. Yeah. But I want to know how this man became yeah. a PI, so to speak, or surveillance. Yeah.
1: Man, I guess that's the yeah, word. surveillance individual. man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to know how he got into the biz. And I kind of so one of the supporting characters in this movie is John Cazale. He plays a man named Stan. Mm-hmm. I want to know how he got into it too. Yeah. I find him like very interesting. But yeah.
1: yeah, I actually think what would make an interesting sequel slash prequel yeah. would be the story of the accountants family
0: of the couple. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: not the couple the backstory you hear about this one time he was able to bug that accountant who was the siphoning funds from, I don't remember the the whole story, Mm -hmm. but that sounds very interesting. Actually.
0: You should write a spec script.
1: Oh my God. Too much work. (laughs) But that's, that's a fresh
0: take though. Yeah, that is a fresh take. Maybe, maybe Francis will let you make it.
1: But here's the thing I like about this is that it doesn't, it doesn't have sequel or prequels. It's standalone. It's standalone. And that's so like, Nice and rare these days.
0: I like you get this one You get this one, one shot. shot one and it's opportunity. one movie, it's
1: one two hour film, and like we don't know if he goes crazy. We don't know if he figures out where the mic is. We don't know these things, and that's okay. It feels very, this is the movie I'm intending you to watch. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like I'm going to go into my rating. That's why I feel like this okay. is actually so strong because. Yeah whereas The Godfather is like a continuation, so it's meant to be this like series in this world and all of that. This is very, this is very strongly directed. It is a director who really, you can see his mastery more in, in this than in anything else he's made, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of restraint, there's a lot of purposefulness in the filmmaking, and it is slow and deliberate. So it can feel a little slow because we come from a, a time with quick cuts and things like that. But everything about this feels very nice and very adult in a nice way it doesn't need a sequel it doesn't need a prequel it doesn't need those things because as a standalone piece it is it is so strong Mm -hmm. it is slow absolutely but I think I forgive it in this case because I feel like the snow slowness is actually a part of the film Mm -hmm. it's kind of like you know rewind back to Lutera where that pacing and that that feel of that film was almost about that slowness It enhances the film in a way. And so you kind of have to accept it. Mm -hmm. As far as Francis Ford Coppola goes, I think this gets lost in the muddle of The Godfather. And I think it's easy in hindsight to look at that. I think someone like Denis Villeneuve is actually going to suffer the same kind of fate. And he's going to be known for directing The Dunes. But people will forget, my daughter might forget, oh, he made this incredible movie called Prisoners when he first started his career. Or, like, he has a rival maybe because it's a little bit more sci-fi. But, like, Prisoners is going to be forgotten.
0: Enemy is already forgotten.
1: Enemy is already forgotten. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think, I think that's what happens. I think people remember the big things. And they, I think they will forget the smaller Those, things. Yeah. And I think that's just what happens with Francis Ford. And I do think this is evidence of a great director, this film. And it almost makes me, forgive is the wrong word, but accept Francis Ford Coppola and *The Godfather* for what it is, because that's not a fluke, and this proves that. And Mm. this proves that this is a skilled man who knows how to direct and has directed one hell of a film. And it isn't just folklore; it is about a singular man, and his, and this experience that he has about his life, about his psycho, like you know his, his his mental state and all of that. I think it's just very fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. I think it's still timeless. I think you can watch it in this day and age and still be enamored by it. I also want to know where the convention is that you can get all this, like, surveillance equipment. Because that just feels... <laughs> if they still if exist, exist, right? If they still exist, that just feels very interesting. Yeah. But this feels fresh mm-hmm. to watch. A movie that is 50 years old still feels fresh, and that I really like about this, because a lot of movies from that age do not. So for those reasons, I'm giving this Four stars.
0: Four stars. I wrote it down. Oh my you God. brought up something. You brought up that this shows that he's a very good director. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely agree with you on that point. How do you feel about the the phrase or the sentiment, you're only as good as your last work, Your last, the last thing you've done?
1: I'm starting to realize with directing, I think it's different.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: I think because it's like, different.
0: I watched this and walked away being like, that is a, this is a very good film. This yeah. was well-made There's intent behind all of these shots. There's a story being told there. He wrote this as well. And, like, he wrote this before Watergate was a thing, too. Mm -hmm. I think that's important to note. He had this idea. He was able to put it to paper and, like, and able to direct his actors and his crew to create something that is very memorable. I think if you do watch this, it will stay with you. I think the people who don't know this movie are the people who just haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. And, like, Granted, it came out in 1974, so that's fair if you haven't seen it. Yeah. But I would say watch it because it is very compelling. It is very interesting. It is going on this journey with this man. And so after watching it, I was like, oh, I going into it, I had a chip on my shoulder because of his most recent comments. And I just Mm -hmm. feel I'm just tired of hearing about like old white men being angry about the way the world is today. And leaving, I was like, "Oh, but he does really a good job at things. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good at his job. Like yeah. that's how I felt, kind of yeah. at the end of it." And I was like, "Okay, I kind of i the respect is there. I mean, I've yeah. always respected him because he is the father of Sophia, and I I love her
1: and, and champions then, so, her work.
0: Exactly, he does. He champions her work, and he helped her buy uh, the Virgin Suicides, which was uh, yeah. Anyways,
1: it's nepotism at its finest.
0: It is because like." It's warranted, I guess. I don't know. Although she did a terrible... He forgave her for the Godfather of Three. Yes. Like, if that's not <laughs> or If he... that doesn't show you a father's love, I don't know what will.
1: Or he recognized that maybe she isn't meant to be in front of the screen. Maybe she's in front... Sorry, in front of the camera. She's meant to be behind it.
0: Exactly. But this... Yes, this kind of put things into perspective for me of like... Even though I don't necessarily agree with his point and I think like it's not as straightforward as he's kind of explaining it to be mm-hmm. in these interviews. And also we don't know what's taken in and out of context from mm-hmm. these kinds of interviews, even though I don't agree with it. I can respect the fact that he has created such great art and he does have that standing. And I think this kind of, I think it's so easy to get bogged down by the Godfather series and to think like, okay, yeah, you did that, but it was so many years ago. And like, I've seen so much, so many things be repeated from it this stands alone as its own film i've seen people attempt to do the same thing but not be able to do it at this at this caliber and it is thinking about 1974 like this was so referential at that time but it is so new and something completely different from i think audiences at that time had seen like i would have given this best picture over godfather part two and i love Part two.
1: You love part two. Part two is my
0: favorite of the three. Yeah. So I, I, I really think the Godfather
1: it. just suffers from
0: being the Godfather
1: overexposure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it suffers from the male toxicity that has adorned it for the last yeah fifty years. Yeah. Forty. Fifty years. Fifty years. Fifty yeah. years. Almost fifty years. Yeah. Fifty years. This year, seventy-two. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to have some find out about some fiftieth anniversary thing coming out. Great. Oh wait, that just happened, I think. Oh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> there you go. But yes, yeah, so I I'm going to give it four stars as well.
1: Oh, you yeah. almost said three and a half.
0: I almost said three and a half, and then I was thinking, and I was like, no, I also I really want to watch it again. Yeah. But it's I you. Give it's it, hard to it find. Space. Yeah. I yeah. think too soon. It might be too soon to do it right away. Um. But also. I, we didn't talk about him, but Gene Hackman, it's not someone that I've always kind of like, I'm used to 90s Gene Hackman, where he kind of just yeah. like appears in these like random movies. He's always mad or yeah. he's killed someone or he's the bad guy after everything. Yeah. And so it's just like, yeah, Gene Ca- Hackman feels like a character actor to me in a lot yeah. of ways. And um, so he's amazing in this. In this. Yeah. yeah. So reserved. Yeah. And like, it's like, oh, no, I know this guy. I went to high school with this guy. Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> or he taught you math. He taught, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. He was the quiet math teacher. Yeah. Who marked exactly. hard, but mm-hmm. you got it. when, As an adult, you're like, I get why you were so difficult at algebra.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, four four out of five. That's How about amazing, that?
1: that? I'm glad you enjoyed it.
0: Uh, thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that you are glad that I enjoyed <laughs> it. Yes, I'm glad
1: that you are glad that I am glad that you enjoyed it. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs>
1: but that's enough about Francis and Jean, because I feel like Mitha is taking us on a feminist trip for her final film, because it's time to play.
0: Different characters, same Same world. world. Okay, are you ready? Yep. I have to get my... Heavyweight? (laughs) We watched it, (laughs) Nathim. How could you forget? Uh,
1: Mitha, this is your last movie. Of this this is my last movie of the season
0: <laughs> of my life. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Um. And so I have two actors for you and one director. Yep. Yep. Okay. And yeah, let's just go get into it. See if you can you guess it. Bad. I think. I think you could possibly get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, the characters' names are. Mm-hmm. Serpico. Okay. Jimmy Hoffa. Okay. Stan. And your timer starts now.
1: Is Serpico Al Pacino?
0: It is, yep.
1: Yeah, but that could be the director. It is, yep. Is it Brian De Palma? No. Who directed Serpico? What's the I can't one? tell you. <laughs> Huffa? Jimmy Hoffa?
0: Jimmy Hoffa and that's Stan. That's Al Pacino. Yeah, that that's,
1: one helps. That's Al Pacino. So we're watching yeah. an Al Pacino movie mm-hmm. directed by the person who directed Serpico. Mm-hmm. And Stan. Stan Stan
0: (laughs) One more time for the kids in the back
1: Yeah An
0: Al Pacino movie An Al Pacino movie
1: A Scent of a Woman?
0: No No. You've seen Scent of a Woman? No I haven't actually, no Oh, interesting
1: Yeah Ten (laughs) seconds left Now interesting is actually just interesting You might have to give me the the names And I could maybe be able to figure it out
0: Okay I'll get, wait two seconds then Two seconds Okay It's been a minute Okay. Okay Um, so Serpico is directed by Sidney Lumet. Oh, okay. Jimmy Hoffa's Al Pacino in The Irishman. Yeah. Is it man or men? Man. Irish man. Irish
1: man. Irishman? Irishman. Irishman? Irishman. Men, I think.
0: Stan is yeah. played by John Cazell in The Deer Hunter. He's <laughs> Stan in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in The Deer Hunter. Oh,
1: God. Something like Sidney Lumet starring Al Pacino. Oh, an old movie. Interesting. I did not think you'd go old. I thought you'd go like new, modern. Nah. What are ending with? I don't know, actually. You're going to have to tell me.
0: We're ending with Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, I was actually thinking that. I don't know why I didn't <laughs> say it. I don't know why you're not saying that. Oh, I was
1: totally thinking Dog Day Afternoon, but I was like, no, Mita wouldn't pick that. Now I'm curious why you picked this as your last movie.
0: I just did. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it next we'll week. We'll talk
1: about that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Dog day there afternoon you go is. fascinating dog fascinating day. dog day afternoon a true crime story mm-hmm.
1: yeah i will i will i will be cautiously interested
0: you can find it
1: on crave i believe so yeah.
0: no you don't have to rent
1: i don't and i don't own it so
0: there you go there you go
1: Amita, do you have any parting words for us
0: i do nadim i'm not afraid of death i'm afraid of murder those are it's like very name. good words. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Like, really I didn't have funny. This is not a quotable movie. Yeah. There's not a ton of quotes. I had two no. quotes for you. You're um, good. I really liked this one.
1: <laughs> I really liked this one too. The other one, while I was watching it, I was just like, you could have gone with Sunday, 3 p.m., room 773. No. Like that could have been it too. That's but I do like this. This is very appropriate for the film. Jesus Christ, I mean, Yeah, and
0: that great <laughs> score
1: is playing right now.
0: <sighs> I really like this that's score. A really good score. I might fall asleep to it tonight.
1: Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Mita's final selection, Dog Day Afternoon.
0: It will be a Dog Day Afternoon.
1: Absolutely.
0: There's so many jokes we can do.
1: (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye! Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One.
0: You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the number 2 Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com.
1: As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.